Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawks Live. Here's the break in front of the pass. Score! That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live. Now, here's Joe Brand with Chris Bowden. Okay, guys, show us what you got. Yes, it is Monday night, and we welcome you back to Blackhawks Live, our regularly scheduled day, our regularly scheduled time. He's WGN-TV's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. And unfortunately, we don't get to start Blackhawks Live with a good start to the homestand, Chris. Uh, after what seemed to be a promising end to the road trip, the Blackhawks couldn't carry over that momentum. But I will say, even though going 0-2-1 on a three-game start of this six-game homestand, those were solid 120 minutes to close out the rest of the week against two very talented teams in Dallas and Florida. Yeah, and at this point you don't you're not looking for moral victories and I'm sure Derek King isn't doing the same even though, you know, he's he's saying that uh, he likes the way they hung in there against two very good teams, which is exactly what they did. But the difference in the final two periods yesterday after what I thought was a real good opening 20 minutes against uh, the top team uh, in the league or the top team in the East, I should say, in the Florida Panthers is um like the Blackhawks' days of old during the glory days, they have a switch that they can flip. Yep. And they decided to uh, turn it on a little bit. By the time the third period rolled around, the, the Blackhawks were really chasing the game. Florida gets the upper hand during the second period with a couple of goals. And then uh, the Blackhawks did draw back to within 3-2 to make it interesting. But the Florida Panthers, uh, just too many weapons right there. And... Uh, they're sitting pretty there in the East, but man, it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight with uh, <laughs> the way the the Eastern Conference is stacked at the top there. Something that the Florida Panthers did that our buddy Troy Murray brought up because he got to return to the three radio in a booth. row for Troy. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about that. There's a few things we're going to get to, but I just want to pull out one thing that Troy pointed out that I thought was very poignant was. Um, Florida's ability to just create stretch passing and turn on the offense and these skilled players that they have create these long passes and kind of catch the defense off guard. And he said that's kind of a result of Joel Quinville's type hockey. Mm -hmm. And Florida's still carrying that over even now with Andrew Brunette as the head coach. And uh, you're right, that was a superb 20 minutes that the Blackhawks started the game with against the Florida Panthers. But it takes a lot to uh, continue that against a very good team like the Florida Panthers. And even though... Uh, the Blackhawks ended up losing that game 5-2. That doesn't tell the story of the game. They got within a goal towards the end of the third period. It wasn't quite enough. But, um, again, it, it takes a lot to take down a team like Dallas, to take down a team like Florida. The Hawks did give it their best shot. No, these aren't moral victories, but sometimes there are teams that are just better than you, and that's all that you can do. Well, when you look at the 0-6-1 stretch over the last seven games at home, yeah, two, against, two against Minnesota, uh, one against uh Colorado, one against Dallas, one against Florida. Now, Dallas is kind of scuffling there. They still haven't found their way. A lot of people they think that they should be better than they actually are, and they suffered a bad loss yesterday uh, at Arizona after holding on for that shootout victory on Friday night here in Chicago. But um, 
Three more games left on this homestand. New Jersey isn't the New Jersey of old. They're playing a little bit better as uh, the Blackhawks will host them on Friday night. Then St. Louis comes into town on Sunday, and then they close it out a a week from Thursday against uh, the Edmonton Oilers, who the last time the Blackhawks faced them forced coaching change, and they got off to a pretty good start. They were brought back down to earth with a loss yesterday at home to the Minnesota Wild. It has been an interesting week. We mentioned uh, great to see Troy Murray in the ba- back in the booth for three straight games. Uh, news breaking earlier today about Bobby Hull no longer being an ambassador for the Blackhawks. We will get to that in just a moment as well. Our guest today is Dennis Savard, a current ambassador of the Chicago Blackhawks and also no longer the record holder of number two <laughs> on the Blackhawks all-time list for assists. And uh, we've got a Boyke's prize pack to give away once again. And, Chris, I'm very excited about this Boyke's question that I uh, drummed up okay. before the show. This is the first time I'm hearing it, too. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, we could just toss it out there. we got we got plenty of time. But, uh, again, our Boyke's question, and Boyke's is Bill Tong. It's not beef jerky. They hook us up with the prize pack every week that we give away. It's better than beef jerky. It's healthier for you. It's just all around better. Check out Boyke's.com, B-O-I-K-E-Y-S.com. Use the promo code WGN for 10% off your first order. Here is our Boyke's question. If you can call in 312-981-7200 and tell us, in honor of Dennis Savard joining us as our guest this week, his nickname being Savoir Faire. Mm-hmm. Savoir Faire comes from, and I learned this today, <laughs> a, an old uh, cartoon with a French-Canadian mouse, Savoir Faire. Yes. Who was Savoir Faire's arch nemesis okay. all right do you know the answer i don't think i know the answer no I, okay I, I don't know if that was a, a well-known thing i never heard it wasn't of the... dino cicerelli was it or... no 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 <laughs> it's uh it's a much more light-hearted cartoonish uh okay. character um wayne gretzky no. yeah no no it's it's nothing like that nothing serious at all and i i i wholeheartedly looked up all of that before this show <laughs> i knew i knew dennis savard's nickname was savoir Fair, but i never knew why uh, i do now and uh hopefully we got some listeners that's that why you well. go the extra mile just like you did with your video today just classes uh, okay. in session um <laughs> Very good stuff. Very good stuff. Thank you. And uh, yeah, for those of you still tolerating my videos, I greatly appreciate it. Hopefully that's the reason you're tuned in right now, because that's what we're gunning for. Uh, we got plenty to talk about. We do want to address the Bobby Hull situation. Uh, we'll talk about Troy returning to the booth as well. And again, our Boyke's question, 312-981-7200. If you can call in and tell us who is Savoir Faire's arch nemesis, we've already got some calls in right now. We're going to take a quick break. If you feel like you've got the answer, give us a call. 312-981-7200. Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN, along with WGN TV's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Uh, listen, we appreciate everyone who called in with what they believe to be the correct answer. I'm not to blame for this one. <laughs> uh, what they believe to be the answer for who is the arch nemesis of um, uh, Savoir Faire, who is the cartoon character that was given the nickname for Dennis Savard. Let's go ahead with this. If you called in with your previous answer, call in again. Say that answer again. You are correct. Just a little miscommunication between me. They're and our, bitter. They've turned it out. Our so. producer Curtis Koch. Uh, <laughs> just a little miscommunication. I, that's my bad. I got. I got to start prefacing these questions a little bit more. Uh, but yes, Dennis Savard. The I guess I shouldn't say the actual Savoy Fair will be joining us after the seven thirty news. Stick to hockey, Joe Brand. Yeah, yeah, and uh, away from nineteen sixties <laughs> cartoons, apparently. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, Chris, uh, great to see Troy Murray for three straight days, three straight games. Great at the to United hear him, Center. too. And, yeah, and uh, this was uh, this was all a game-time decision based on how Troy was feeling. Obviously, he's still continuing his battle with cancer and doing it as best he can. And uh, it's been great to see him mustering up the energy. He's been bringing a, a friend who's been driving him to the UC. That driver has become part of the show, too. And uh, <laughs> it's it's just great to see, as always, Troy in his original role, back with John Wideman. The chemistry is just still there. And it's honestly just great to hear Troy's insight once again. It's just he's got such a knack for relaying the information in a way that everyone understands. I don't know if you heard the other day when he did a... Lion King metaphor. No. Yeah, no. I was talking I mean. about um, uh, Kirby Doc maybe learning some lessons and uh, brought up Rafiki hitting Simba in the head with a with a stick wand. And, hey, uh, and uh, the next time he ducked, and he's like, well, yes, because you learned from the mistake. And he said Kirby Doc and the Blackhawks need to start learning from their mistakes and moving forward with it. Well, uh, sometimes when you're, when you're down and dealing with things, you watch a lot of TV, you watch a lot of movies, and maybe uh, maybe Troy, maybe this goes back before what, what he's been going through, but uh, maybe this was also part of his uh, recuperation <laughs> process, too, in some of the stuff he's been uh, paying attention to. Yeah, well, uh, again, he's just he's got that knack for uh, relaying the information. So Hopefully that- we hear a whole lot more of him here through the uh, remainder of the season. I agree, I agree. The plan is to hear him again on Friday. Uh, hopefully that will be. We've got Doug on I-43 near Sheboygan right now. Doug, who was Savoie Fair's arch nemesis? If you could turn down your radio, bud. Her Savoie Fair arch nemesis was uh, Klondike Cat. Klondike Cat. Thank you very much, Doug. Where uh, Are you heading towards Sheboygan or away from? Um, I'm actually driving past it, headed home to Green Bay. Green Bay. Um, I'm I'm an expat. I'm a serious Hawks fan. So. <laughs> Good. Well, Doug, congratulations okay. on your Boykey's congratulations on your Boykey's prize pack, and thanks for tuning into the show. Sure, thanks a lot. Thanks, Doug. Right. And stay away from Madison too. There's some ugly stuff going on. How about last week when we were uh, giving some shots at St. Louis, Detroit, and uh, now all of a sudden Green Bay makes its way onto the show? Uh, yes, anyone else that called in earlier and brought up the name Klondike Cat, we apologize for the miscommunication we had, but but just know, even if you had the right answer, you still had to be the first caller. So it's not like because we hung up on you, you wouldn't have won the Boykey's prize pack, and you can win every week where we give away a prize pack each time. Uh, yeah, next time we'll preface the question. <laughs> <Stick back. laughs> uh, so again, Dennis Savard is our upcoming guest. He'll be on after the 7.30 news. Dennis Savard, one of the... Two remaining Blackhawks ambassadors now, he and Chris Chelios. The news breaking earlier today that Bobby Hull is no longer a ambassador for the Blackhawks. This is coming from a report from Odyssey's Bruce Levine saying that the Blackhawks and Bobby Hull have mutually agreed to part ways. Here's the statement from Levine's report. Uh, that the team, the Blackhawks, reportedly confirmed, we are redefining the role of team ambassador, which unfortunately comes on the heels of losing two very special members of that family, obviously Stan Makita and Tony Esposito. Uh, When it comes to Bobby specifically, we jointly agreed earlier this season that he will retire from any official team role. That's the end of the quote. Again, 
Now, the only two remaining ambassadors are Dennis Savard and Chris Chelios. We're not going to be discussing it with Dennis Savard when he comes on the show. This was a Blackhawks decision. This was not Dennis Savard's decision. Uh, We're not at liberty to say why this happened. Once we get a guest from the Blackhawks front office, then we can address those questions to them. Uh, But we're not going to bring it up to Dennis, and uh, we can, you know, lead, we can be led to believe why this might happen, but as far as we know, it's an agreement that both parties agreed upon and mutually have separated ways. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, Dennis kind of respectfully declined to address the situation. Does it doesn't want just wants to stay away from that until the situation entirely clears. And you know, uh, he was previously scheduled to come on before this news today. So we want to respect uh, Denny's wishes. And let's just take a look a, a step back from all this. Not only have the Blackhawks lost two of their original uh, four a- ambassadors, but even before the pandemic, Bobby Hull is now. 83 years old Mm -hmm. and was having a difficult time getting around. Uh, He has been out and about lately. I've seen some shots of him over at Palace Grill mingling with some fans. But um, even before the pandemic hit, uh, some difficulty with Bobby with some health problems moving around. And there was probably some other strings attached to this decision as well. But first and foremost, when you look at the scope of the ambassador's role, um, when you take into account that there were no fans in the building last year, uh, except for 4,000 each of the final two games, and uh, the fact that the pandemic has also forced the Blackhawks to not be out in the community, in the public as much. And those were the bread and butter of what the four ambassadors did. Going around the rink, meeting with fans, meeting with sponsors, going out in the community, uh, making appearances. Uh, that's what they were paid for, and a lot of that has gone away. So uh, as the Blackhawks are reassessing a whole lot within their organization, uh, I know that personally as well, um, I would have to imagine that this was one of those things that was on the checklist to take a closer look at since, you know, um, hopefully, you know, we're on the other side of this pandemic. Uh, but as we move forward here, um, you know, they have to make some some business and financial decisions on their own. And um, as a result of this, I can uh, understand why they're kind of reassessing uh, the ambassador situation. That doesn't mean it's going to totally go away. It may change in how they handle those things. But uh, especially after the loss of Stan and with uh, Tony uh, as part of those four original ambassadors, uh, it's certainly easy to see how they are reassessing things right now. And again, this was a decision between the current front office of the Blackhawks and Bobby Hull. When Bobby Hull and the other three were brought in for the ambassador role, that was a John McDonough move. I mean, that was implemented through his regime. And wildly popular, and it worked. Mm -hmm. worked. And now it's a different business. It's, It's different people in charge, and this is what they had agreed upon. And again, according to the report, Bobby Hull as well. Uh, so again, Dennis Avard will be our guest after the news. We'll be mainly focusing on Patrick Kane now surpassing Dennis Savard and becoming the number two all-time assist leader in Blackhawks history, which he was able to do on Sunday night's game, Sunday afternoon's game, I should say, on Caleb Jones's goal that brought the Blackhawks within one. And you know what? I honestly thought that Dylan Strome did get a piece on the puck mm. um, after it had gotten through Bob Brodrowski's 
uh, legs. So I thought that Dylan Strome was going to be credited with the goal, which I think would have eliminated Patrick Kane from that assist number <laughs> 720. Um, clearly, that's not Dylan, the Dylan, did you take one for the team there? Or take so here's, one for 88. Here's the thing. On the, on the couple of the reviews, it didn't look like Dylan Strome touched the puck. But then when they showed that aerial view... It definitely looked like the puck turned maybe, I don't know, 17 degrees after it passed right under where Dylan Strome's stick was. Uh, I know Colby Cohen of NBC Sports Chicago was disagreeing with me, um, but that's just what I saw from that angle. Clearly, they didn't change it right after the game. Clearly, they didn't change it later on. So again, Patrick Kane, 720 career assists in a Blackhawks uniform. That's good for second all-time. And uh, it's pretty cool because he's surpassing his... Former head coach, his first head coach in the NHL. Yeah, and as you'll hear from from Denny, you know the previous times we've we've had him on, be it a post game show or on Blackhawks Live last year, um, the the mutual respect the two of them have, and we might even play a clip of uh, of Patrick Kane talking about Savvy here when we bring uh, old eighteen aboard. But um, the, the mutual respect and uh, the way. Dennis was able to identify how great this kid was going to be as his first head coach in his first training camp, even though he was so green under the gills and uh, probably so easy to toss around. But just like Denny was during his playing days, being of smaller stature, Patrick Kane was the same way and just finding a way to to avoid the op- opposition that may have been bearing down him, looking to inflict physical harm. And so from that aspect, these players are are very, very similar. Each has their own bit of flair to them and each has their own elusiveness on the ice. The, uh, the spinorama similarities, too. How, how often did we see Patrick Kane maybe yep. be on the receiving end or the one doing it and got to hear Pat Foley or John Weideman say, oh, remnants of Dennis Savard. I think the last time Patrick executed that was a game in Carolina last year when they were wearing the Hartford jerseys. Okay. Uh, so I think that's the last time Patrick was able to execute it and uh, he did a pretty darn good job of it, too. Another cool moment I remember a few years back when they were celebrating Patrick Kane's 1,000th career point. Uh, They awarded him the silver stick at the United Center, and the Blackhawks were playing the Florida Panthers that day, and Dennis Savard came out on the ice and handed Patrick Kane the stick. So it was Dennis Savard on the ice, it was Jeremy Colleton on the Blackhawks bench, and Joel Quinville Mm -hmm. behind the Florida Panthers bench. So it's all three of his head coaches in the NHL in that one moment. It had to have been the only time that that ever happened uh, for Patrick Kane. Uh, Clearly, there's now a number four with Derek King. Um, but I just thought that was a cool moment. And, um, you know, Patrick Kane is such a student of the game and just a student of hockey history. It's really cool when he's able to uh, go in on how much it means to him to pass someone like Dennis Savard, who, again, he, he still talks with. He still mm-hmm. uh, relies on for mentorship and, um, you know, just, just is such a big part of his hockey career. You can just tell it means a little bit more to him because of the student he is in the hockey world and how much he appreciates the game and appreciates the game's history. And, uh, man, his his brain is just so much full of hockey that <laughs> you'd really like to just totally go into an in-depth conversation with him on and just allow him to unload like of everything that he, he knows and, and why he remembers things like that. I remember there was a piece with The Athletic where he could go back and remember not every goal, but almost every right, goal right, and, and yeah. could almost tally the goal Hockey savant and hockey geek. And you know what? You know, 
This is an, an unlikely year for, for Patrick Kane. Uh, less than a point a game. 49 points now through 53 games. And there are a lot of reasons for that because, you know, of, of the difficulty this team and this offense is having scoring goals this season. Uh, when you look at five on five, just 76 five on five goals through 53 games so far. But then you look at the last 10 games. Here's Patrick Kane again, just when you thought he was being quieted down. And that happens during certain stretches for all great players. Here is with uh, four, four goals and nine assists over the course of the last 10 games. It's been uh, an up and down year for the Hawks. And uh, unfortunately, that's that's kind of been Patrick Kane, too. But th- that's the thing. Even when he was on his gold drought, he was still collecting assists and, and helping things mm-hmm. out. And I, I believe he had a nine game assist streak. But, um, you know, for this team, it's it's just unfortunately continued to be the, the same narrative of needing to put together a full 60 minutes. And even when they're able to do that, I mean, I think that game against Florida last year, again, yesterday afternoon, was uh, one of their better played games of the year. And it, it just still was not enough because that's how good the Florida Panthers are as a team. And, and that's what it takes to even lose to them by three goals. I, I get it. They were two empty netters, but that's what it takes to lose to Florida by a goal. Well, their offensive firepower and they yeah. came in you know, with the top uh, shots on goal in the league, not to mention, I don't know if they were at the very top of, of goals per game. In they, the they were because they came in with 203 or 208. They were the first team to score uh, 200 goals in 49 games or less since the 0506 Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just continued to pile that on. So, yeah, the, that firepower and the depth of their offensive weaponry uh, really uh, shows um, over the course of 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, unless you're a team in their neighborhood, as time goes on, you know, I was wondering a little bit yesterday, too, not to take anything away from the Blackhawks, but whether Florida was ready to answer the bell or right off the right out of the gate, because, uh, you know, they had what uh, the shots were like eight one with like five minutes to go in the first period. Right. So um, credit the Blackhawks for what they were doing. But then, unfortunately, when you have a team as good as Florida, they go to the locker room reset and then flip that switch. And something else that Troy Murray said yesterday was uh, he thinks that the day games might benefit the visiting team more than the home team. Hmm. Like, oh, your kids wake up. Oh, hey, dad's home. He's, he's ready <laughs> yeah. to play. He's like, no, no, I got to get ready for a game. And so fast, kid. When you're on the road, you're just still in hockey mode. We've got Dennis Savard coming on after the news. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously I played uh, a, lot, a lot of games in a lot of years here. But, uh, you know, special player, special um, human being. And uh, um, it's... Uh, pretty cool when you reach you know some of these milestones and you, you realize the names you're in company with it's uh, it's pretty special that is patrick kane the number two all-time blackhawks assist leader after yesterday afternoon on the phone and who patrick kane was talking about is now the number three blackhawks assist leader but number 18 hockey hall of famer Dennis Savard. Dennis, thanks so much for joining us here on this Monday night for Blackhawks Live. Yeah, my pleasure, Joe, Chris. Good uh, talking to you guys. Great job by Kaner. Um, yeah, you know, it uh, takes a lot of work. Um, a lot of great teammates. I'm sure that uh, he'll say that himself. Um, but, uh, yeah, my name's out there. It's, good. it's a good sign. So I'm glad for him. <laughs> he deserves everything. He's such a great player. We're so lucky to have him here. And As I said to him, I left a message to him, you know, What's amazing, he's got so many, many more years to play. So it was just a matter of time. So great for Kaner. Deserves all of it. And uh, just happy for him. So did you leave him a message when he tied your record or when he broke it? 
Oh, no, I left it last night after the game when he broke it. And, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's uh, been such a great player, and I know that he would trade this for wins right now. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you reach, uh, reach milestones like this, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. I know that I've gone through some records at uh, times, and uh, they're fun to have. But at the end of the day, you know, it's about winning. And we all know what he's done for this city. And obviously this organization is winning three championships is uh, is something that uh, it's very difficult to duplicate for any player coming in the next uh, decade or two. Well, uh, Savvy, good talking to you again. By the way, happy belated birthday. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. It was uh, earlier this month, February 4th, I believe. And uh, I know I've asked you this before about uh, you knowing uh, the minute you saw him in that first training camp after he was a number one overall pick. But uh, how, I brought this up a little bit earlier. How many similarities did you see both in terms of physical stature and uh, how he was able to be comfortable, almost be second nature with the puck. Um, I know you weren't able to watch yourself, but how much of yourself did you see in him in that opening training camp uh, when you were head coach? Well, you know, obviously, you know, you you knew he was a great player. It didn't take a a surgeon to know that. You know, you obviously, you know, knew what he did already in the junior ranks and, you know, beat all kinds of records. The thing that always impressed me about him and even – the first training camp, I remember watching scrimmages, uh, you know, black against white uh, on the ice. They, uh, they would uh, you know, find so much time and space. He would have so much poise. Uh, it was amazing um, how, how much poise he showed. Uh, I know Taser was the same way, you know, was different kind of a player than, than, than Kaner is, but you could set a young age when these scrimmage against each other, uh, you know, they, you see the players that's sticking out, and they were Two of them were, and obviously Kaner, because of the poise, he still has that. I mean, you watch him in the games today, uh, you know, it's he's got that extra time in his mind, and he's got time, and it's just a, that's a difference between a good player and a great player. Great players have uh, lots of composure, and obviously he has that. Uh, it's uh, and, and I know he still has it, because he still shows in games here that uh, he still have that same, uh, same uh, you know, attitude and the same way... Uh, He's always played. He's uh, not afraid to be patient, not afraid to make plays, and, you know, just a great player all around, no question. We're talking with the Hockey Hall of Famer Dennis Savard here on Blackhawks Live. Uh, So when Kane and Taves are coming towards you and you know that you're about to coach this great hockey talent, was there any coaching attributes when you were a player that really helped you click, really helped you maybe take that next step, really worked for you that you put off on them to, to try and, you know, help jumpstart their careers? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's to give them the, the, you know, the reign that they need, to give them some, uh, some confidence and play them in situations that are going to succeed. I think that was a key. Uh, when I came here, Maggie Keith Magnuson was my first coach, and I played in all situations when I first started. Um and obviously, you know, it, was, it gave me a lot of confidence to play game in, game out. And I think I did kind of took that, you know, what Maggie did with me when I started. But, you know, it was no, <laughs> not a tough decision. You had to play with kids. They're that good already. And you knew that uh, they're going to be special players. And, uh, you know, play them in a situation where they're going to do very well. And, uh, you know, I remember sitting down with both of them at times and talked about, 
you know, what I expect from them. And obviously, right away, they, they did the job. So um, it was fun to coach them. You know, we know they're two different characters, two different persons completely. Uh, Teaser, uh, you know, is very intense, uh, very, very serious, uh, comes to play every night. Kaner, on the other end, loves come to the rink. He wants to be at the rink every day, likes to have fun on, on the ice and likes to make great plays and, and practices and stuff like that. So they're, they're both different, but obviously they both have delivered uh, since they've been here for sure. So it's, uh, you know, very blessed to coach them, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to, to, to coach them for a few years. And, uh, and now I see where they're at, and it's just, uh, just great for the city of Chicago and great for organization uh, the way things have gone here in the last uh, 12, 14 years. Well, you were a former number three overall draft pick. So is Jonathan Taves. And I want to ask you about the Blackhawks' most recent number three overall draft pick and what you see of him. Because, you know, we we saw what Kirby Doc could be during that playoff bubble. And then he suffers the unfortunate wrist break uh, during the World Juniors um, a little bit more than a year ago. And it seems like he's been fighting and trying to find that game again that we saw that summer in the bubble when the Blackhawks beat Edmonton before losing to Vegas. He may have been their best player uh, during those two series. Um, uh, Derek King said something real interesting the other day in that uh, he thinks uh, he's just trying too hard, uh, trying to get back to the level that he was before that wrist injury. Everybody wants it now, and everyone w- was able to see it now with you and with Kane and with Taves. And even though we just turned 21 years old, um, how important is it going to be able for him to be able to just try and get through this mental hump? And, and we know production is the only thing that allows some of these young players to get through this mental hump. What are you seeing with uh, this most recent third overall draft pick in Kirby Doc? Chris, Kirby, he's had a good run here the last couple weeks. You know, it's, I felt like he's playing better. Um not that he's played bad, you know, obviously expectation is the thing. You know, when mm-hmm. a young player puts lots of expectations on himself, it, it could be difficult. So that's where, you know, coaches will come in and try to relax him and try to, you know, give him opportunities to succeed. That's what Kinger has done with him here is playing him in all situations, penalty killing, power play. Um, you know, when you what you saw in the bubble there two years ago, I think you're going to see this more to come. Um, you know, you just don't have it for that particular time for like that two month period or one month and a half period and now they seem that you lose it. It's confidence. Uh, it's uh you know, he's uh, he's missed a lot of hockey here and when he like you said in World Juniors he broke his wrist and it was the lock I mean the uh the COVID thing and everything like that. So it was it was hard for him to, to get back on track, but he's young. Um he's got size, he's got skill, um he's got a lot of heart, you know that. I mean that the things that I heard about him when he was in junior uh, when they played against uh, other teams, they were after him every shift. So he's not afraid. And, uh, you know, I like what Kirby's going to be. I'm not I'm not concerned. He's still got a lot of time here. You know, I look at our kids, you know, him himself, Korachov, uh, Ripo, who's been here for the last two games. You could see that he's got some incredible skill. He's a great skater. Um, that'd be a line that I would probably put together at some <laughs> point together and say, here, kids, you know, here's the ball. Run with it. You know, we're going to. We're going to help you through the, those stages here. We're going to teach you how to play the game the right way. Uh, but you guys are going to play together. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that eventually. Probably not this year, but next year it could be the thing that uh, Kinger might do. Just put these guys together. Say, here, here's the ball. This is what we're going to do. This is what your role are going to be. You have to run with it. I'm not going to 
separate you guys, when we keep you guys together, you'll have to figure it out. And, you know, keep each other accountable, and you go from there. So they're, you know, they're, they have so much potential, and, uh, you know, it's difficult, too. You know, when we had the start of the year this year, when we went 1-9, and nine, I believe that's where we were the first 10 games. Mm-hmm. It's hard for everybody, you know. Even for Seth coming in, you know, sign a huge deal. You know, you know how that is. I know I, I've been through that in Montreal when I signed there. Not the same type of money, but I felt it in '93 or '90. I say I should say that it was a big contract, and I it wasn't back in my mind. So I think with Seth, also this year, you know, his first year of his big deal. Next year, he's going to relax more. He's going to be a great player, like he's like he always been. He's been great this year. He's been showing some some great great stuff. Uh, so you know, there's a lot to say about our team here. There's you know, for me, guys, I, I mean this because we added some good pieces this summer. We really did. Now, the start really hurt us. It's very tough to recover the NHL level to to go one and nine and obviously try to get to the playoffs. I'd like to give that team, that group of players here, a second chance next year. You know, maybe add some, you know, some tweaks here and there and see where we go from. And that's including Flurry. I mean, Flowers has been, God, he's been great in goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for us, you know, with uh, and getting hurt and Sutherland, he's only played two games. I think, uh, you know, it's very hard for him to come up. He's been great in the minors. I think he's second in save percentage down there. So, but, you know, we we have the ingredients. You know, yeah, Ego, well, you know, he's a great example. I mean, when you talk about Reichel, Kulishev, and Doc, I mean, watch this kid play. He just works every shift, every game. And that's, that's a young player would will learn this on his own. I mean, you know, coaches are going to push buttons with you, but at the end of the day, you have to make the commitment, and they will. I mean, they have it games, and not as consistent as you want them to be because they're young, and they're going to learn, you know, through the process of this. So, uh, yeah, I know, I, you know, it's uh, it's been a hard year. Uh, nobody's going to deny that, but at the same time, there's been some, some spots that we played really, really well, and we're in a lot of games, and, Kind of lost, you know, by that one goal, or made a mistake in, in the late gate, late of the game, and, and cost us the game. So, you know, when you, you talk about, you know, I'm going on and on, but you know, just looking at our team, you know, uh, what's been happening, you know, this year, uh, Kubalik, you know, who's, who's at what 30 goals last year, 31 goals. Two years ago, you remember the cat struggled for a year. Right. He didn't have the mm-hmm. kind of year that he's had the prior year, and he obviously this year he bounces back again with, I think he's got 30 goals, 29 or 30 goals. Mm-hmm. So Kubelik, you know, he's another player that, you know, has been around not too long now that had a great year last year, and, you know, this year he struggled a little. We can't give up on him. He's, you know, you don't score 30 goals in this league for by accident you because you, you earned it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, Lots to say about our team, but uh, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we got 30-some games coming now, like the rest of the year, it's important for our staff to evaluate what we got and uh, make some decisions from there. But I, I, I like to think that, you know, I give these guys a mulligan. I would, I really would. I just think they're better than that. I felt this year that we, we should be a 90-96 to 96 point team. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I think I got a pretty good eye for hockey, and uh, I like to give these guys a mulligan, get them back together, make a few tweaks here and there, and you know, and Flurry would be included in that. I mean, I, 
we need we need goaltending, and he's you know Flowers been such such a great goalie all his career, and and he's he's mentioned before that he wants to keep playing. So I know that uh, deadline's coming up, and you know the management will make decisions on the players, but. You know, I would hope that uh, you know there's a chance we could keep them for another year or two. It'd be great because I'm not sure that our kids in goaltending are ready. I, don't, I mean, I haven't got to see them play enough. Lankin in last year, I thought he'd come along really well. Um, so we'll see. But um, you know, I like to give this group a mulligan. I really would. I mean, Taser, you know, hopefully he gets healthy again and gets a whole summer training. Right. You know, it's very hard when you miss the whole year and coming back and. You know how much Hardy's got, and Hardy tries. So, and we miss him, even though you know his his numbers are not up this year as as much as they were before. But we miss him on faceoffs. It's become right such a crucial part of the game. So, yeah. Well, well, no, well, but please don't apologize for going on and on. That's that's why we have you on here, Dennis Savard. Um, but you brought up Mulligan a few times, so now we got to ask you: How is your golf game going? Uh, I, I talk about mulligans because I like to get something. <laughs> <down with life. laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, golf is a tough game, and it's it's uh, but it's a lot of fun. I enjoy when I get out there and when I can and uh, be with friends. It's a great day. Great as long day. as you can keep it that, as long as you can keep it fun and not take it too seriously, that's the most important uh-huh. thing. So, <laughs> I know you're I know you're better than you're letting on. So, <laughs> good talking to you, buddy. Thanks for joining us. All right, Chris, Joe, thanks, you guys. Take care. All right, thank you very much. That is the Hockey Hall of Famer, Dennis Savard, number 18. we got to get to a break, but some great stuff there from Savoie Fair. We're going to close out Blackhawks Live when we come back. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. A few more minutes to close out Blackhawks Live, along with Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. We just talked to the great Dennis Savard, who had a whole lot to say, but especially on this current team, which I thought he made a couple of good points. I mean, you know, we keep talking about how critical we are on this Hawks team, but uh, I thought he brought up a good point with Seth Jones. I, for one, have enjoyed Seth Jones' year. Um, I know it's been all pretty much assists rather than goals, but I just think everything else he does in the ice, keeping the puck in the zone, uh, how how uh, utilized he is on that power play, uh, just kind of the tone he sets, too. It seems like he's a great teammate. Um, I, I really like the idea of him taking another step next year, and uh, something that he kind of brought up reminds me of the Patrick Laine situation, how well he is doing right now with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm. I know it's apples and oranges right. uh, coming from Winnipeg, not enjoying your head coach of John Tortorella and now uh, maybe getting some more help offensively. But it, it just, I think, could be another example of the next step that Seth Jones could even take next year if people aren't pleased with him this year. I have been for the most part. Yeah, it's got to be a comfort zone, and he's gotten more comfortable as the season has gone along. And, you know, Savvy gave his wish list as, as to what he hopes happens here, but the trade deadline is exactly four weeks yeah. from today. So uh, the, the clock is ticking, which also means the clock is ticking on the Blackhawks general manager search if, in fact, they want to re- Reach their goal of having a certain uh, the, that person in place uh, ahead of the trade deadline. So we're talking less than four weeks from now. And I mean, listen, it's hard to 
see this Blackhawks team making any moves without a general manager, so you would like to think that the move will be made sooner rather than later. You almost wonder what's more beneficial for the Hawks. Is it one of those things where you just kind of draw out the trade deadline and it's not until the last minute that you get the last package that you want? Mm. Um, There's got to be conversations with Marc-Andre Fleury. He said he hasn't had any. This was dating back to last week. He has not had any with the team, but his agent may have. We talked about it last week, the rumors of Brandon Hagel uh, being tossed around for possibly a first-round draft pick. Uh, And then Patrick Kane goes to Dylan Strome's support and saying how much better this team is off with having Dylan Strome than with trading him. I mean, there's still just a lot of decisions to be made. You've got to hold your guys up that are in the room there with you. Hey, uh, before we sign off, a real uh, quickly on the Olympics, you know, it was disappointing for USA as they got knocked out in the quarterfinals by Slovakia. But Drew Comesso in his two games went 2-0 and with a 9-16 save percentage. Um, so he certainly did his part. He did not play in that quarterfinal knockout game uh, that the Americans are certainly disappointed in falling short. Also disappointment for the women uh, even though it was only a silver obviously they wanted to get gold again against Canada so close. they just ran out of time yeah but uh, congratulations to Kendall Coyne Schofield as well as all the Chicago representatives uh, Megan Bozak Jess Comfer um, uh, I believe it's Savannah uh, Savannah Harmon Harmon over from Downers Grove and also uh, Hillary Knight and Abby Murphy so congratulations on those uh, ladies for bringing home silver he's Chris Bowden I'm Joe Brand this has been Blackhawks Live Steve Ruxton has your news next on 720 WGN